Hello, friends, and welcome to the ANOC podcast on Around the Rings. I'm your host, Brian Pinelli. The ANOC podcast on ATR is a monthly feature in partnership with the Association of National Olympic Committees, showcasing the work and inspiration of the world's 206 NOCs. It's been a turbulent time and uncharted waters as NOCs across the world, large and small, attempt to navigate the coronavirus crisis. An unimaginable one-year postponement of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games with a wake of unforeseen ripple effects. It has been a time for NOCs to be bold and chart a new course through unfamiliar seas in close cooperation with ANOC, the IOC, international federations, and other Olympic stakeholders. Dr. Robin Mitchell has been the acting president of ANOC since 2018. He is helping to lead the way of the NOCs and their respective Olympic athletes to ensure a smooth and safe arrival to Tokyo eight months from now. And today we are very honored to have as our guest, the acting president of ANOC, Robin Mitchell. The native of Fiji is also an ANOC senior vice president and IOC executive board member. He is the former chairman of the ANOC Medical Commission, and his earlier days in the Olympic movement involved coaching Fiji's national field hockey team and eight years as Fiji NOC team doctor. And joining us now from his home in Suva, Fiji, halfway around the world, is the ANOC president, Dr. Robin Mitchell. Robin, hello and welcome to the ANOC podcast. Thanks very much, uh, Brian, and good evening. Good morning over in this part of the world, Robin. I, I know it's evening for you. How are you doing? And, and what has life been like there in Fiji, your, your native homeland, during these challenging and difficult coronavirus pandemic times? It's uh, been pretty good. We're what's uh, called a COVID-contained uh, country uh, in the sense that we haven't had a positive uh, community case for over 200 days. Uh, so all of our recent cases have been uh, quarantine uh, cases at the border, essentially from uh, re uh, citizens returning back home. So we have a total of 35 positive cases, and there's no active cases at all, which means we have, uh, it's a fairly uh, normal life with uh, some restrictions, which uh, are not intolerable. Uh, sport resumed about uh, three months ago. Uh, so we have uh, full competitions, uh, you know, training, gymnasiums are open, etc. So we, we're doing okay. And uh, when we watch television, we feel sorry for those that have restrictions, uh, not once, but uh, now through the second or third time. And we can imagine uh, the difficulties that are happening in um, in the Northern Hemisphere in particular. And like most of the world, you're conducting your responsibilities as ANOC acting president virtually. Uh, I, I assume lots of virtual meetings. Uh, you know, how have things gone there on, on the professional side, uh, keeping up with uh, all of your colleagues around the world? Well, it's uh, difficult because um, we're almost 12 hours uh, ahead of Lausanne. So I work a normal day, and then meetings depend on what particular meeting usually starts any time between 
7 p.m. local time to 1 o'clock. And then uh, it can go until 4 or 5 in the morning. And that's been the pattern for the, the last two weeks with the commission meetings. So it's uh, pretty tiring because you spend a lot of time talking to your computer uh, at work normally and then after hours. And of course, everything comes in electronically. So you're trying to keep up with emails <laughs> and reading and emails. And yeah, it, it's interesting times, but uh, a bit of an information overload, unfortunately. So, of course, thank you for doing this, Robin. Thank you for joining us today. And I promise we won't keep you up too late tonight. <laughs> 9 p.m. is perfect. All right. Sounds good. Let, let's get right to it. I mean, obviously, everybody is navigating a difficult time. Uh, 206 NOCs, uh, large and small. I, I assume each has, you know, different needs, uh, help with different af aspects, different struggles, different challenges based upon their geographic location, their financial situation, the, the size of the country. It's a, it's, it's a diverse audience, let's say. How, how has ANOC been supporting and assisting the many NOCs, large and small, with these, you know, varying needs and, and varying, I assume, levels of hope, uh, help, I should say, during the COVID-19 crisis? Uh, I think the, the initial um, is, is communication, being able to talk to somebody. Um, and with the ANOC staff in Lausanne, we have people who have... Um, have been former NOC officials or current, uh, as the case with our current Secretary General. So there's somebody that they can always talk to about issues that they have and share experiences. Um, with the, the link between ANOC and the continental offices, it means that you have access to both the local uh, consultations with the continent that you live in, uh, as well as with the regional office that uh, has access not only to the IOC, which is close by, but many, many federations that are based in Lausanne. So communication in particular is the, the main one uh, with uh, the ANOC office, uh, in particular sharing information, sharing experiences in particular. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, 206 NOCs of varying sizes from Tuvalu just across the water with uh, mm. just over 12,000 people right up to the United States, for example, on the other side of the, the Pacific Ocean, a huge country with resources, but going through uh, struggles that uh, the COVID's brought on. So, so when you look, look at such a diverse group of NOCs, obviously, uh, specifically, what are some of the primary challenges and most pressing hardships, you know, facing these NOCs and, and ultimately ANOC. And, you know, I, I don't know if you want to share an example or two, but, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, how do you navigate this? Uh, generally for the uh, smaller National Olympic Committees, apart from support from Olympic Solidarity, the main other source of funding is uh, from government. Uh, government now has to uh, reprioritize its uh, funding uh, towards containing the COVID or preventing COVID coming to their uh, countries, for example. And within Oceania, uh, two thirds of our country, countries or NOCs, until about uh, three weeks ago, 
did have uh, didn't have any COVID cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the borders have been shut down in the Pacific, and there are only five countries that uh, had COVID and had uh, issues with it. Which, on the world scale, Australia, New Zealand, Australia in particular, had more cases, but you know, with only uh, less than 30,000 cases total, it's quite small when you look at the rest of the world. So one of the big issues is the shortfall in government funding to the National Olympic Committees. And this has affected more the administration of the NOC uh, because the funding from Solidarity covers more sports development and sports uh, participation, but not necessarily supporting uh, the administration of the office. So many offices have downsized or closed or work only short hours. And I think that is a, a common feature throughout all of the National Olympic Committees, probably more marked in the bigger uh, Olympic Committees that have corporate uh, responsibilities as well. Uh, for those of us that have uh, sponsors, obviously they have their own issues at the moment, their own uh, needs, so there's been a downfall in terms of revenue from sponsors. Uh, For the bigger NOCs that have have big teams, there's issues in terms of what you've committed to Tokyo in terms of booking hotels, booking tickets that you've paid for, uh, family sponsors, and I'm looking at Australia and New Zealand and in our part of the world. And these are costs that are not necessarily recoverable or you've paid and you have to carry it through to uh, next year. So the uh, COVID and its effect on sport has um, had quite a, a varied uh, uh, effect on the NOCs. And with yeah. some of them, there's costs that you can't get back at all then eh? uh, due to the uh, pandemic. And so within our area, we uh, have NOCs that have closed uh, because there's no activity anyway. Others that have reduced their hours to... Uh, twice a week or three times a week, for example. Uh, And then uh, the inactivity because everything's closed down and the effect on, uh, you know, being confined for those that are in lockdown uh, and the effect mentally, physically, um, uh, and having to look after kids or extended family in some of the uh, areas that have big communities living together. So yeah. It affects training, it affects access to recreation. Um, so it's pretty tough in different uh, magnitude, depending on the size and the resources that's available to the Olympic Committee. Obviously very difficult, you know, hoping hoping the best for all our NOCs and obviously their Olympic athletes. Just, just to kind of give us a glimpse also, you know, you talk about your region, your area, and, and obviously, lots of responsibility falls on your shoulders with the mm. 206 NOCs. I mean, what about just, just briefly, you know, for example, let's say, you know, you're dealing with South America, Brazil, you know, they've been hit hard, obviously, a, a, a large country and, and some of the other countries in South America. Is, is it difficult for you, you know, not, not only communicating with them, but, you know, uh, assisting with their problems? I, I think it's fortunate that we've got internet apart from the problems it brings to us but uh, you recognize that you know in a fairly similar fa- uh, fashion the government funding is reduced and sponsorship so uh, you, we, we talk 
uh, in the different forums that we're together, the similar problems just magnified uh, because of the effects on, on the health and the uh, inability to, uh, you know, organize meetings and the things that you would do normally socially. Yeah? So I guess looking eastwards, the whole of the Americas and Europe, uh, it's really tough to imagine when you're living in this part of the world where you're fairly free to do whatever. Uh, and, and you feel for the countries and for the people. And of course, your, your sports colleagues will have difficulty main, maintaining the, um, the morale and the momentum for their, their, their members and athletes. Yeah, it seems like almost a, you know, a, a tough thing to recognize. Obviously, we, you know, <laughs> have the web and have the news, but, you know, everyone in just such different scenarios and, um, you know, di different challenges, different uh, aspects of this crisis that, you know, not that they're hard to realize, but, you know, when you look at it, it, it is such a big picture. Um, mm. You know, perhaps on the positive side, Robin, uh, in your estimation, and, you know, obviously these athletes have Tokyo as a goal eight months from now, and they have to find a way to train and, you know, have the finances to do so. But how, how important of a role do you think NOCs and, and their athletes have played in, in raising awareness of health measures and, you know, perhaps even inspiring people in their native countries to stay active? Uh the, the greatest resource we have is our athletes. And um, in, in our, in, within ONOC, we train our athletes to deliver our uh, Olympic value messages. And when you have these young people talking and also leading by example, it's always inspiring for the community at large. So um, I, I guess the messages that the athletes uh, project uh, to the community by example and also by uh, using the media that's available to them uh, helps with the uh, the well-being of the community, but more so when sports starts again. Once you have competition, you, you feel the lift uh, within the community that they can not only watch it on television, which we uh, all do, but you can actually go and cheer for your, your side. <laughs> so sport is important in, in the recovery uh, phase, depending on which phase the country is in. So the sooner that people get back to uh, just walking or exercising where you can talk to friends, you know, maintaining social distancing, etc. cetera, um, uh, but also actually take part in going cheer for sport is it's really encouraging for the recovery from uh, the pandemic. And, and kind of expanding on that uh, a little bit, Robin, we, we talk about the athletes, you know, playing their part. What, what about the role of, you know, the NOCs and, and ultimately ANOC, which, which falls on your shoulders to play also in sending a positive message and helping society recover from COVID-19. I think the main thing that we can offer from ANOC and from the IOC through Olympic Solidarity is the guarantee that funding is available to help them when they're ready to uh, restart their programs or as they come out of the COVID pandemic. <clears throat> and so very early on, the Olympic Solidarity Office uh, set up a special grant by moving funds around up to about $50 million dollars to help NOCs offset some of the costs that are uh, related to the postponement of the games. 
And uh, so it's a huge assurance that one, that you can get some compensation uh, to cover the costs and allow you to continue uh, with whatever freedoms you have in your country. But also when you come out of it, that there's money to help you to uh, go to qualifying competitions when they eventually start again. And that's where ONOC, uh, ANOC has also contributed by uh, recognizing the savings of not having to host a general assembly in Korea this month. We should sure. be in Korea about now. Uh, they were able to donate, um, make money available to the continents, uh, through the continents to their membership. And uh, ANOC uh, provided 11.6 million to complement the money that in IOC had provided. So for the NOCs looking ahead, it's an uh, assurance that there's money there for you to uh, uh, be able to do what you need to do now during the uh, pandemic in your society, but also that you can have funding available to train as soon as um, you're able to. You know, Robin, the more and more people I speak to, you know, sport leaders and organizing committee uh, presidents and, you know, your, your, your colleagues, everybody seems to use the word flexibility. And I guess it's necessary when we don't know sometimes what's coming uh, uh, ahead of us. I mean, do you think this pandemic situation in some way has even shifted the traditional roles and responsibilities of ANOC and, and the varying NOCs? Uh, yes, uh, significantly so. You know, you, you sit around and you feel miserable for a little while. Then after you've realized you have got a lot of time on your hands to look at the way you operate and whether you can do it better than what you've been doing for many, many years. So I think for a sports organization from the national federation level to the National Olympic Committee, it's the time for looking at where you're at now and how you can do uh, what you're doing better, uh, whether it's in administration, whether it's in training. And so it's, it's been very useful because if you're sitting there doing nothing, it's quite depressing. But once you get inspired and you find that your colleagues are, are looking for the same sort of outcomes as you are, yeah. then it uh, makes uh, life a bit more interesting because you cannot say, as soon as uh, borders open and I can go here, there or everywhere, you go with a different mindset in terms of what you uh, can do and what you've inspired yourself to do. Yeah. We're speaking today with Dr. Robin Mitchell on this edition of the ANOC podcast. And uh, Robin, you know, uh, President Bach and, and John Coates just concluded, uh, you know, three days in, in Tokyo uh, on the ground with the Tokyo 2020 leaders. Obviously, they're looking at so many countermeasures for the games. Um, what, what are your thoughts as an MD, uh, you know, in, in terms of them developing the correct safety measures, uh, hopefully advancements in rapid testing, and, you know, hopefully the distribution of vaccines as well? Um, I, I'm uh, on the coordination commission and I look after the athletes in the village. I, the MD bit, I gave that up 10, 10 or more years ago because I was traveling so much. But um, one, I have a confidence in the host, Japan, because they've, all of the measures that we're practicing, wear masks and all that sort of thing, it's ingrained in the culture of Japan. And, 
wherever you go, people are wearing gloves, wearing masks, etc. So as a host, I'm very confident with uh, the ability to host. And we've been talking, we talk quite often uh, in terms of the, the COVID and recognizing what needs to be done, but also looking at the athletes in the village and the training, etc., etc., uh, beforehand. So uh, for most of us, we I guess we're looking forward to getting back to Tokyo as soon as possible. And that's something that we in Oceania have a, a training center that we've been using for the last two years. Uh, and for us, Tokyo is just a hop and skip away. So uh, with the event of um, uh, things like vaccines coming on much, much earlier than is normal is, is encouraging. Uh, the two latest ones, it's nice to see that they have such a, a good efficacy rate, but the storage and the temperatures that they need to keep it sort of probably is only available to uh, the more affluent countries that can maintain the the temperature levels to, to store it. But I think... Uh, with the advent of the vaccine, I, I know that for most of the developing countries, as soon as something like the vaccine is available, we all line up to get the vaccine, uh, which will help in terms of the uh, reduction of the spread of COVID. So I think the preparations are good. You know, we've forgotten about the problems with Tokyo, which is the heat mitigation. Yeah, yeah. So that, that seems to have dropped away, but uh, it's still there. Uh, where we were in Tokyo at the time of the chef demissions meeting. Uh, and it was pretty warm, but not as bad as we thought it would be. So I, I guess Tokyo still has some challenges, but uh, it's being addressed regularly. There's uh, uh, a weekly meeting between uh, a core group of uh, Tokyo, uh, the IOC and WHO, uh, plus other stakeholders. And the Coordination Commission meets... Uh, depending on your area, uh, either every three weeks, uh, fairly often. So there's a lot of people with their eyes on preparations in Tokyo. And uh, there may be some modification by the time we get there, but it's encouraging to see that there's um, quite a number of spectators watching baseball matches now in the, in yeah. the past two weeks. Yeah. So uh, East Asia, you know, it, it comes under the Western Pacific uh, group. And if you look at the graph of COVID, we're really way, way down on the scale. And we have China and Philippines and Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia and Philippines are the, the two most affected areas with uh, China about number four or five in our part of the world. So I think, yeah, I'm confident that Tokyo will happen, but with some modifications in how the games uh, are going to proceed, but we're still a number of months away. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, Robin, Enoch uh, was expected to have their general assembly uh, there in, in Seoul, South Korea, coming up shortly, uh, postponed one year, uh, mm -hmm. will remain in Seoul the end of November of 2021. I know it's a long ways away, but any news or updates uh, in, in regards to that? I, I guess everything was in order so maybe there's not a lot of work to do, but you know, anything you want to inform us about? Uh, in the first quarter of the year, uh, Gunilla and Emily from the office who are involved in staging of the, our assemblies uh, were in Tokyo and uh, we were able to get the reassurances that Tokyo, uh, not Tokyo, excuse me, uh, Seoul was uh, 
keen to uh, host our assembly next year. Uh, and um, all of the um, uh, facilities that we needed uh, were made available with the change in the dates by a week or so in 2021. So I think we all look forward to, to going to Tokyo. Uh, a lot of it depends on um, uh, the uh, level of the pandemic in other parts of the world. But uh, I think for East Asia, Asia, uh, uh, it's, it's fairly open for us to probably start traveling there within the next uh, two months or so. So yeah. I, I think we all look forward to getting together. That's Absolutely, look, look forward to that. Um, Robin, one, one, one more very important question for you. Uh, as we look forward to, to the Tokyo Games, uh, your native country, Fiji, in 2016 in Rio, won its first Olympic medal, a gold medal in rugby sevens, trouncing Great Britain 43-7. I know this was a huge moment for your country and its, and its sporting history. Uh, what will it take for Fiji to potentially repeat as gold medalists in your estimation come Tokyo 2020? <laughs> uh, when we were talking about it about uh, seven, eight years ago, uh, 2016 was going to be our moment. And we knew that the Rugby Sevens competition would be uh, successful. We, were, we knew that was, this was our best chance to win it. And as the game became popular with uh, Hong Kong, um, the, the bigger countries are going to put a lot of money into the game. So over the last uh, three years, the competition is still quite, quite tough. Uh, we've uh, fortunate that uh, our men qualified because they, they won a couple of the world championships since then. But any of uh, four to five teams can win the gold medal and it depends on the games that you play and the options that you take. So we're happy we won the first one. We'll be happy if we win something in the <laughs> second one. And our women have qualified again, which is, and they, they're doing quite well despite not getting the resources initially, but now they're getting full support. All right, so Robin. I'm cheering, I'm cheering for both. <laughs> I am sure. <laughs> we wish your rugby sevens teams the best of luck. And, and best of luck to you and, and the leadership of ANOC, obviously uh, doing your best to assist all 206 NOCs. Uh, Robin, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for joining us here on the ANOC podcast. And we look forward to seeing you somewhere down the road, if not in Tokyo, perhaps before. But uh, let's, uh, let, let's find a way for all of us to get through this together. Thanks very much, uh, Brian. And uh, off air, if you could send my best regards to Ed and Sheila. Uh, Sheila was the attache of the Vanuatu team in um, Atlanta many years ago. Absolutely. Will do, Robin. Uh, we'll keep in touch. Keep us posted on all ANOC news and activities. And uh, enjoy your evening. Get some sleep so you can get up tomorrow morning for more virtual meetings. Thanks very much. All the best, Brian. Thank you. All the best to you. Thank you, Robin. We'll be back next month with another edition of the ANOC podcast, once again highlighting and showcasing the work and inspiration of the world's 206 NOCs. I'm Brian Pinelli. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to check out AroundTheRings.com, your best source of news and information 
about the Olympic and Paralympic movements. Have a great day, everybody.